Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, welcome back to another wonderful episode with a wonderful guest. But before we get started, I just want to share something that happened this weekend. You know, we've had the COVID creeps and I've had restless legs, not the medical kind, but wanting to get out and wanting to go somewhere and wanting to do something. And then I also have always had a wish list of, gee, it would be nice if I had a friend that had a place that would say, come anytime to my wonderful place. <laughs> well, it happened this weekend. I went to a two-day retreat with just some friends, about 14 of us, all women, to a fabulous lake home. And that's exactly what we did. We just took time to go and to unwind. And I share that with you just to say we all need that. Wherever you need to go, can go, even if it's in another room, even if it's down the street. Sometimes, as you know, I write my newsletters at a coffee shop. But we need to get out. It's time to be with people. So I'll leave it at that. Well, today I have a guest that is so unusual and has such an interesting story. And I'll just start by saying that Tina Jacobson uh, tells me, you know, Valerie, just start by saying she's doing business as missions. That's all I'm going to say. We're just going to start chatting. So welcome, Tina, to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to finally get you here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Tina, we've talked a lot at our pre-interview, and that was great fun to really get to know so much more about you. I thought I knew you, and there was so much more that I didn't know. I uh, Now you are the founder of Gems of Jaipur Jewelry mm -hmm. and also uh, a mission that's around that. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into the jewelry business? Well, I have owned a PR business for 34 years, the Barnabas Agency, and in that time I worked with a man, an organization over in India. And they took me over there. And so I fell in love with India and everything about it and all the jewelry. And so um, when we started going over there, my husband and I, mm -hmm. we, um, I started bringing back jewelry. And my friends would say, why don't you bring me back a piece or two? <laughs> and so and this was from Japur? Yes. And, uh -huh. and not to interrupt, no, but I just fine. did. Yes. Uh, is that... A place that jewels are known to come yes. from, or what? Uh, uh, Jaipur is known as the gemstone capital of the world, and master craft cutters are there. And uh, about ninety percent of all gemstones, diamonds, uh, emeralds, sapphires, all of them, mm. go through Jaipur and through a place in Delhi called Chandi Chowk, where they cut the the gems mm. and then they send them out to their various places. And so it's known as the gemstone capital of the world. It's where the uh, crown jewels were cut and made. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Yes. And so um, 
I work with these Mastercraft, our family's Mastercraft jewelers, and I took 20 pieces back, uh, some earrings, some rings, and a couple of bracelets, and they sold really quickly. And so I thought, well, if I do this, then I can help provide the funding that we need to do the charity work that we do in India. And this was the beginning now of the charity work? It was about two years into it. We, My husband and I had started going over there and doing that. And um, and people from our uh, little community and our people from our church and other places would give us funding to help with what we were doing. And so it was growing. Um, this is just what came to me. So hmm. on about our third trip, I had about 200 pieces I was bringing back. That's a lot. <laughs> yes, and most of it was silver uh, with the gemstones in it. And so um, I, I hadn't told my husband yet what I was doing. <laughs> because you were still running your PR? Yes, I was still company. running my PR company. And a lot of the uh, resources that we did, you from, from what I did with the PR, we used for the ministry that we're doing, the charity we're doing. So... Um, Anyway, uh, we were on this on the flight from Dubai to Dallas on our way home, and I woke my husband up and I said, "Okay, this is what I've done, <laughs> and it's too late." <laughs> yes, and uh, I said, "But you know, the intention is that if we sell this and it works, then the money will go to what we're doing because my husband and I pay our own way. We, you know, we don't take any money from the charity or the jewelry." And so we want to make sure that we're able to give as much as we can to the people that we're working for. So anyway, that was the start of it. And I started doing in-home showcases. And I still do in-home showcases, except for when we have something like a pandemic. Oh, <laughs> yes. But um, and then I also have an online presence. So I've been doing this for about uh, four, five years now. Five years. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I want to go back okay. to you went to India mm -hmm. and something you just loved India, which some people say they go to India and love it. And other people say it's a difficult place to mm -hmm. go. It is. So I want to know, what are you funding there? What are What is the... What is the money going to? Who is it going right. to? Well, so we go over and we teach. We do several things. Okay. We teach the next generation of leaders, and we bring them in. And these are people that are in the, uh, they call them villages. A village could be 50,000 people. So, you know, it's not what you're thinking of little bitty places. It's It's pretty big. But we we are we are concentrating on the state of Rajasthan, which is in the northwest part of India. It's mm -hmm. close to Pakistan, and um, we go in and we bring in leaders, the next generation of leaders from the surrounding villages of Jaipur, and some of them could be twelve or more hours away, and we give them money for their bus ticket or um, some of them walk, N nobody takes a plane, but um, they'll, or they could drive, um, they can take um, trucks in, so, or trains. And so we give them transportation costs, we put them up for three days, and then we um, feed them, and we give the women a sari, and we give the men a shirt and pants. And so, um, and then we teach them um, 
scriptures so that they can go back and teach other people. And then uh, another thing that we do there is there's a leper colony in Jaipur. There's leper colonies mm. everywhere all over India. The first time I went, I was just, I saw so many of them and it just broke my heart. Mm. And so there's one in Jaipur. There's about 750 people in this colony and not everybody has leprosy. It's usually one family member that has it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we found out that they did not have any food. And they don't get, they're not allowed to get jobs. If they do have jobs, it's very menial jobs like sweeping the streets or cleaning toilets. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and when they sweep the streets, it's with the little straw sweeper thing. Like Who this. So, vacuum? Yes. <laughs> no, no big street sweeper, Zambini, Zambini, Zambini things. But anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so, um, they can't get jobs, they can't get food, so they go out and beg if they're healthy enough or they send their children out to beg or other things so that they mm. get food. And um, so we decided to provide a meal for them. And the first time we went, we took the meal and it had protein and it's rice and chicken, curry and eggs and everything. And they were just so gracious. Well, we went back six months. We go every six months or we go twice a year. And then I go a third time for just the jewelry business. But um, then we went back six months later and we asked them, when was the last time you had a meal like this? And they said, when you were here six months ago. So our hearts were pierced and we, we thought, okay, we, we started telling people about it. And we raised enough money to send for one meal a month. And so we were doing that, and then we've been able to increase it to where we're doing one a week right now. Um, we've been doing that for several years. And so that has saved their lives during COVID because they uh, it's been the only food that they've received during this whole year of COVID. That's incredible. You know what, Tina? <sighs> we have nothing mm -hmm. to complain about. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. And yet... We're going through such a divisive time. Mm -hmm. And I'm so tired, aren't you, audience, of hearing people complain mm -hmm. what I don't have, what I don't get to do, what I can't see. Mm -hmm. I hope everyone is watching, going to watch the show because it just puts into perspective. There are places mm -hmm. all over the world mm -hmm. that have it bad. We know that. Yes. But I'm so glad to have you on the show. I've never had anyone talk about a leper colony. Mm -hmm. And we, we not to stay on that, for a, but for a moment, what was interesting to me that you said was that the children, it may just be one family member. Mm -hmm. I kind of thought leprosy was something that was contagious. And you said, no, is that right? No, it is contagious. It it's is. highly contagious. But I think most people think that it's been eradicated. Uh -huh. Most people think that there is that leprosy is not around anymore. So, so it, is. it is even it is. in the United States, even in the said. United States. But um, there's medicine that you can take to to cure it. And then if you don't get it in time to keep it from spreading. OK. And that it just doesn't happen in India. It so. just doesn't. A lot doesn't happen in other parts of the world. <laughs> That's true. All right. I want to go back uh -huh. to uh, how did you get into the jewel? So you had your PR. Let's just start from the beginning. <laughs> okay. I was born. I don't care where you start. You know where I'd love for you to start, actually, uh -huh. is have you always been so kind and gracious 
and even tempered. <laughs> and I know better. That's why I'm setting it up. I want to know about as a kid. Yeah. And tell us. Oh, uh, well, you'd probably have to ask my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> I was a rambunctious little kid and uh, I was always into trouble. Always. See, I find that so hard yeah. to believe. Well, I was, but uh, I grew up in a really, uh, I grew up in a Christian home and I grew up with parents who loved me. And uh, early on, uh, when I was 10, I really thought I was going to be a missionary. At 10? At 10. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, life took over. I was in high school. It was the early 70s. And, you know, that was a just, fun time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of fun. And, um, in co and then I went to college and you start listening to your professors and your teachers and you don't listen to what your parents or what you might learn at church or other places anymore. And I just started following the world's ways and I walked away from everything because I was going to be a businesswoman. I was not going to get married. I was not going to have children and I was going to do things my way. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I set out to do. And so I got a business degree and I got a geology degree. Two and degrees. I, two degrees. And then I worked in the oil and gas industry for about five years. In Doing two, what? Drilling oil wells. And, uh, yes, in Texas and Oklahoma and, uh, and a few other places. So, yep, I did. <laughs> right out there with those greasy uh, <laughs> machines, yes. whatever they are. <laughs> so yeah. how did you get into the... PR business? Business. Well, in the mid-80s, I got laid off. From, it was a time when the old business just tanked, and, and they were laying people off left and right. And um, I lasted a long time. I watched all the people around me get laid off, and I kept wondering, when's it my turn? <laughs> and I did. Mm -hmm. And so I was off out of work for about three months, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I had also had a, a, a change of lifestyle coming back to my values and in the things that I trust and I believe. And so um, I just decided that I didn't want to work in that industry anymore because it was, um, it was a very difficult place to be at that time in history in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And so I was uh, reading a flyer at uh, the church that I attended and they were looking, there was a ministry looking for a um, receptionist for the summer. And I'm like, I can answer phones and I can talk. I can do this. <laughs> right. And I went and I interviewed and um, uh, the person that interviewed me uh, really, it was someone that I had seen speak and I really liked him and I knew what he was doing and I liked the ministry. And he said, you're way overqualified for this job. I said, well, you said it's just for the summer and I really don't know what I want to do. So, you know, I can do it for the summer. And so they hired me. And then he, during the summer, he talked about me coming on staff there and working with them. And so I was like, well, um, I didn't know what that meant to come on staff. And this was a nonprofit organization where every member had to raise their own support. Hmm. And so I did. And um, I went on staff and uh, worked with them for two years. And that's where I learned about the publishing industry because he was a writer and I was helping him with his books and things. Would I know who it is? Probably. He's a radio personality. Um, Kirby it, Anderson. Okay. With Probe. It's mm -hmm. called Probe Ministries. Mm -hmm. And so I worked there and um, really learned so much uh, from him. 
and then I got married and um, my support dropped off. And so I was asked by a publishing company because I knew all the Kirby had radio programs that I was marketing all over the world. And so I knew all the radio people. And so uh, a lady at a publishing company said, hey, why don't you book our authors, you know, on radio interviews? Because back in the 80s, there were tons of radio programs, as you know. Right. And so uh, I said, OK, I can do that. And so I bought a fax machine that cost me $2,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> One of those gold screen computers. This was before, you know, you had your Microsoft programs. Right. And a telephone. And, and I rented a little postage machine, and I set up in my house. We lived here in Dallas at the time. And so that's, that's kind of how the PR business started. I didn't do a business plan. I didn't think it through. I just thought, I can do this. And I did. And isn't that wonderful? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what some entrepreneurs yes. say? Most entrepreneurs. <laughs> so it grew. And by 1999, I had 29 employees. And wow. um, I was working. Uh, we moved to Corsicana, which is south of Dallas here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a, ha a building that I bought in downtown Corsicana, and that's where I worked, and that's how it grew. Just <laughs> so you're humble, and I'm going to go to that. what I know about this. <laughs> I think this is really fascinating. She's she's being really humble. Um, you have represented people like authors and and mm -hmm. people like all over the world. Herschel Walker, mm -hmm. Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, John Maxwell, Tim LaHaye, Chuck Swindoll, James Dobson. Oh my, I'll, I, without going any further on a bunch of names, I want to stop at Lisa Beamer. Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, the wife of Todd, mm -hmm. who said on the airplane, and you take it from here. <laughs> he was who, the one who said, let's roll. He let's was on roll. Flight 93, which mm -hmm. crashed in Pennsylvania. And he and five other men were able to get to the cockpit and overtake it so that they could not crash the plane right. into the Capitol. Okay, now how did you meet Lisa and what did you do for Lisa Beamer? Um, a friend of hers in her small group knew someone in publishing and they talked to that person and they said, you need to talk to Tina because that's who she needs. She was getting a lot of phone calls from the media, a lot of phone calls from everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I was on my way to New York already to just um, see what was going on. It was two weeks after 9-11. And my pastor and my husband said, you will probably work with a book because I, we work with a lot of books. We were working with 150 authors a year sometimes. And now this is your own company. My own company. Now you're yeah. on your way with 25 with my, people, yes. uh -huh. 29 people yes. working for you. And so it's like, you should go because there's going to be books written about this. And mm -hmm. you should go and see for yourself so that you will know what's going on. So I went by myself. And... Um, I went down to where Ground Zero was, and it was still smoldering, and it was still, you know, oh. every it was it was awful. And I walked around, but before, right before I left, two days before I left, I got a call from Lisa, and she asked me, you know, we talked, and I said, well, I'm going to New York. I didn't realize where she lived because I wasn't watching all the things about her as closely. And um, and she said, uh, oh, I'm going to be in New York on this day, and let's meet. So we met for dinner. And uh, she 
after dinner hired me on the spot and so um, we started working with her the next week and with the we, book and all of that yes I mean she had no desire really to write a book mm -hmm. but she knew that something would be written and so she wanted to make sure that Todd was you know portrayed right. the way that he really was sure and so she wanted to um, kind of you know make sure that that happened so um, she wrote a book she did speaking so we managed everything i mean my phone blew up after that i had to call at&t and they expanded my whatever they do to do that so i could get more messages and more mm -hmm. phone calls and i was getting hundreds of emails a day and i was getting calls directly from larry king and other people like that it was really kind of wild <laughs> i bet didn't the president at one point call you he did one president point Bush? and so did the secretary of defense um yes so it pretty was pretty humble lady you are sitting here <laughs> gosh well it was it was a very surreal time um and it was very life-changing for me as well and i changed my business model because of it and I want to go there for a moment okay. because isn't that interesting? As successful as you are, mm -hmm. and you still, I know, have the agency. It's winding down, of course. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that you talked about as a teachable point of view mm -hmm. was uh, when you get, I'll put it in my words, mm -hmm. you can correct me, but when you get a nudge inside that you mm -hmm. just have to do something, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm passionate about this because it was the nudge that had me come do what I'm now doing. Mm -hmm. But when you get that nudge and you know where it's coming from, mm -hmm. there is a God and he does have a plan, follow it. Mm -hmm. And so exactly. follow your dreams, right. which leads me now to the jewelry. So okay. let's get to that. Yes. Because <laughs> first of all, I want to welcome you. You have agreed to sponsor the show. Mm -hmm for a bit yes about six months which is the minimum <laughs> and thank you for that we're going to look forward to sure. me wearing a lot of jewelry yes <laughs> wow so oh well let me start by saying this i bought this from <laughs> you you did and i wore it purposely because it's very simple and there are times the audience that's watching on youtube there are times that many of us just want something simple mm -hmm. but it, it is gold mm -hmm. <laughs> but lovely, just simple. And it hits right here at the mm -hmm. Adam's apple, kind of. And there aren't, aren't many necklaces that have something to them enough that does that. So I fell in love with it. And then you have brought many other things. Yes. Is there any one piece? I'll just kind of hold the rings up okay. uh, for a moment. They are all real mm -hmm. stones. Yes. And then, you can see the other pieces. Mm -hmm. Is there any one piece that you would like to tell us about? Is there a story behind one of them, Tina? There's stories behind a lot of them. Um, I I wish that this were looking better. This is part of what they do their wedding jewelry with. So these this is a necklace and it's the blue or blue sapphire beads but then you see these little charms that are here yes. mm -hmm. on this side they're painted so they do this enamel painting on them and then has the little uh, seed pearls around it well if you turn it around you can wear it either way oh interesting this okay. has um uncut diamonds in it and they do a lot they call them polky 
but they're uncut, they're sliced diamonds mm -hmm. that are not faceted. And they do a lot of jewelry, which I have also a piece on here, this and my earrings. That's stunning. Yeah, and they take these and they create large necklaces called a Mongol Sutra, which this is what this is. This is a wedding necklace, and I bought it on my first trip there because I never thought I'd come back, and I pretended my husband bought it for me. <laughs> so hold it up so that I think the microphone might be okay. there. That so is that it pretty? This way, yes. And so they're all different, and they're all intricate. Like some of them will have these big medallions with all the diamonds and everything. So um, And look at your ring. Yes. This is a blue topaz with diamonds around the edges here. Oh, my And then blue goodness. topaz. So. Can you see that well, <laughs> I hope? I'm holding My wonderful up. producer. <laughs> That's so, gorgeous. So the uncut diamonds, this ring, too, is an uncut diamond ring. And um, well, I'll just take yeah, it off. Yeah, take it off. Try to, try to put it on. It's um, oh my, and that is a a lot of the pieces I have are in sterling silver oh, that's with lovely. like that's a black rhodium overlay with the uncut diamond. Isn't that pretty? Yeah. So subtle, but not right. Subtle, but not. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of people, when they first hear about the the jewelry and that we're giving back to this charity, they think that we're working with uh, people there that are making, like the people we're working with, like right. they're like the lepers or whoever they're making the jewelry, because that's a similar model that a lot of people are doing. But we're doing something different. We work with four master craft jewelers who are GIA certified, oh, okay. and this has been in their families for generations. And so these pieces are works of art, and they're one of a kind. And May I see this one? Yes. I'm and sorry. just hold it up. Yes. So those are amethyst gems that are in that with a sterling silver setting. That's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of partial to purple. Just beautiful. <laughs> well, purple is royalty. That's right. <laughs> And then, let's see, what, what is... Those are amethyst as well, and there it's a cabochon cut, so it's not faceted, it's rounded. That's the cut. So it's a necklace that would hit around here, you know, with the gems. I like all the gold. I do, too. I like I love gold. gold. It's all beautiful. India is known for its gold. <laughs> so, so just in wrapping mm -hmm. up, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Um, Back to making it really clear, because, mm -hmm. you know, I've received phone calls from many people who want to be on the show, and but they have products to sell, and that's why they want to be on the show. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not our audience. Our mm -hmm. audience is authentic leaders who are leaders, are successful, have maintained their integrity, and you've taken it a step further, which is now you have a whole mission. Mm -hmm. So to be clear, mm -hmm. the money... Mm -hmm. goes to 100 mm percent -hmm. mm -hmm. of whatever you see here mm -hmm. <laughs> goes directly to the people who are in need exactly both the leaders and uh -huh. and the uh leper yes. community yes so it's food it's leadership mm -hmm. training and much yes more. and one thing i didn't mention i'll mention real quickly is in the leper colony the children are not allowed to go to school and so we've started a pilot program, and we have a teacher that goes in and that is teaching. We provide for his salary, and we provide the the paper and pencils and uh, a whiteboard that they need. And we um, 
and he teaches them reading and writing and math so that hopefully when they're 18, they can get out of the situation they're in and get a job that's, you know, that will help them improve their life. It's called hope. Yes. You're mm-hmm. giving a lot of yes. people hope. That's what we're trying to do. Well, you are. <laughs> well, as you know, uh, I've mentioned one of your teachable points of view. I just I just ask Lisa, as I always do, you know, what can you leave us with for other people that are watching the show or uh, mm-hmm. can share what leaders have learned from their journeys? And what are some of the other ones, Tina, that you would leave the audience with? I wrote mine down, so I have to look Okay, and that's perfectly good. <laughs> I think one of the, the things that I learned over the years is to know your own strengths and weaknesses. Um, I took a, a, a test that's called Colby. It's spelled K-O-L-B-E. Yes. I and I had a business coach in Midland, Texas, uh, who administered that for me. And uh, I learned from that that I was not a detailed person or a fact finder, or even an implementer, which is a, a person who works with their hands and does like artwork and things. But I was a quick start and I was an ideas person and I was a visionary and I was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I learned over the years what that meant. And then I realized once I learned that, that when the people that I'd hired at that point, which there were only four or five of them, I hired people like myself. <laughs> Thanks for Colby. Yes. <laughs> and we were we were struggling because we weren't getting everything done we needed to get done, but we had a bunch of great ideas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I learned from that and from working with my business coach that um that you need to hire to your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay that people don't do things the way you do them. And so I started really? Yes. <laughs> And I started hiring people that were the opposite of me. Now, they had to learn that same lesson because being a visionary and an ideas person, an entrepreneur, I drove them crazy because I'm always, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, you know. And and we wouldn't have done one thing before I was ready to start another. And so um, it was a process that I took my leadership through every quarter with this business coach. And then every year, my whole team would mm-hmm. go through it. Yep. So valuing your people, knowing your strengths and weaknesses and working towards your weaknesses mm-hmm. because everybody has them. Instead know. of saying, get yeah. better at your weaknesses. Really? Right. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. And train your sure. people instead of expecting them to know. Sure. You know? So that, that was a big lesson for me. And uh, as a visionary, most companies, I think, um, are started by visionaries people with ideas, That's people right. who can see down the road, but those people usually don't have the uh, ability to do the day-to-day, take the steps they need to take to get things done. Mm-hmm. And so I would say the first person you hire um, would be an assistant, but then also a person that, call them, if you're the CEO, call them the president, or if you're the president, call them one of your top managers or whatever, and give them authority to do the day-to-day because you're going to get bogged down in it and you're not going to get it done. That's true. And I so, learned that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I think that's very important. Um, I would say go where your heart is. That's the one that we talked about, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, because passion is important. And sometimes that changes. It's changing for me right now. That's the point I want to make out of that point, which mm-hmm. is sometimes it's many years later. Mm-hmm. 
that you're able, mm-hmm. let's just say it that way, yes. financially, yes, to do something that's off-grid. Yes. So, so I tell a lot patient. of people, don't, especially younger people who have a passion for something, but they don't have the way to make it happen, which mm-hmm. means they don't have the resources or the money, mm-hmm. don't quit your day job. Right. You need that. Exactly. And I've done my job for 34 years now in order to, I mean, it's the money I made from that has been the money I've put into this sure. to start this business so that I can help others. Yeah. And so that was a big learning lesson for me, too. Yeah. So. Is there another one? Is that it? Um, I think that's One, it. two, three, four? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, uh, how can people uh, get to your site and yes. we will have it as a banner okay you can see that under this conversation of your site is should you be interested in yes. looking at some of this beautiful jewelry while you tell it i'm sure. going to try this please do uh it's gems of shop and that's spelled g-e-m like gems g-e-m-s o-f and then jpour is j-a-i-p-u-r and it's dot shop. Uh, you can go there and see all the different pieces that we have and um, take a look. We have a shop in Corsicana, and then I also do in-home showcases. So we can get to you, Tina. Yes, <laughs> I like this one too. What a joy! Thank you for all these goodies. And uh, as your sponsorship continues, mm-hmm. I'll be showing and wearing more. Is that fun? <laughs> Isn't that fun? I can't wait. Yay. Thank you, Tina. Sure. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. You're I welcome. appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> and I wish you all God's blessings. And thank you. And that's exactly what is happening. Thank you. And before we go, I want to share with you, as I always do, a Valerieism. <clears throat> I was thinking about that. You know, I never know, by the way, what I'm going to share. I don't write all this down anymore. I just kind of think before the show, "Mm, what is it that might be interesting for you today? (laughs) Well, actually, my husband and I were talking about this, and we were talking about it being a rainy day. And there it is. Hey, here it is. Don't waste a rainy day. And here's the point around that. It used to be, years ago, I hated the rain. Ugh, it was dreary, it was raining, you couldn't get out, it was dark, there was thunder, and it was like, bleh. And then, when I started my leadership development firm, Valerie and Company, well, guess what I'm telling people? Watch what you think. Well, hello, the thumb came back. It's amazing, the more we teach outward, the more we sink something in ourselves. And the day came when I had that mind switch. And I thought, you know what? It's raining. I'm going to bake chocolate chip cookies. I love to bake. I love to cook. And so on a rainy day from now on, I get in the kitchen and I do something I want to do, which is usually cook something. My husband loves that. So think about that mind switch, whatever it is. For me, don't waste a rainy day. That's it for now. Don't forget, please. Would you just hit the red button and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't? And if you have friends and relatives and family that you think would enjoy these shows, just tell them to subscribe because you know what? It really does matter. And I didn't realize until I became a podcaster, people look at how many subscriptions you have. So help me out, will you? Hit the red button. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.